0: When everyone comes to be served, nobody's needs are met. The uh, short 60-second video we just watched is a great picture, a great representation of a great quote by a pastor named John Hall, who, who again is quoted saying, when everyone comes to serve, everyone's needs are met. When everybody comes to be served, nobody's needs are met met. Uh, we're in a series right now. If you haven't been with us in case it's your first time, or maybe you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, uh, we're in a series right now that we started last week called The Gathering Place. And we started this series last week talking about what is the church. Uh, this this series that we're in really that that is the whole point or the emphasis of it is talking about uh, what what is this thing we call the church what is the church why is it significant why, why does it matter why do our gatherings together have such power and such potential and uh, last week in case you weren't here which by the way I would encourage you that you would go when you would get the podcast uh, whether you go to YouTube or the website or you go to Spotify or Apple would encourage you get the podcast Pastor Gill preached such an amazing message last week. Uh, talking about how the church, really it's its a who, not a what. That, that if you're asking the question, what is the church? It's a valid question, but a better one would be, who is the church? For what we see in scripture, it's what Pastor Will talked about last week. What we see in scripture is that the church, the, the, the church is seen in four different pictures or, or rather the church finds its identity in these four different things. Number one, that the church is the body of Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is the head, and that we, as a part of his body, were a part of the body of Christ, that every single people who or every single person who has raised their hands so to speak or committed their life to Jesus, that they have been born again, birthed into the family of God, and they are now a part of the body of Christ, and every single part of the body, every member has its Function there, there's a pastor that I uh, follow and he says everybody has their prophetic per- per- percentage. Everybody has a percentage they add, and when everybody comes together, there is a whole that, that that is realized. And Pastor will talked about last week how we are we're part of the body of Christ. Uh, secondly, the church is seen in this that its identity is found in that we are now the temple of. God. We're the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, uh, we find that there is an actual literal building that was constructed. Uh, we're going to read a passage today that will allude to that. But uh, King David had it in his heart to build God a house. His son Solomon built him a house and the temple of God is where the glory of God would, 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 would rest. But now in the New Testament, we see that God no longer dwells in just a singular location, but we as his people, we are the carriers of God's presence. That not just as individuals, but as a whole, we, the body of Christ, are now the dwelling, the resting place of God's presence, and we carry God's presence into the earth. Thirdly, what we see in Scripture, and we talked about last week, is that the church is not just a body, and it's not just a temple, but we are the covenant people of God. If you go back in the Old Testament, uh, the, the, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, those were God's covenant people, God's special people. God had a covenant. He was committed to these people and they are whom he chose to display his glory and power through on the earth. Well, today, New Testament, the covenant people of God are not just the children of Israel, but it is anyone and everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus. We as the church... We are now God's covenant people, his chosen people through whom not only do we carry his presence, but through whom he desires to display his glory and his power throughout and on the earth. And lastly, we are the instrument of God that, that we, we are the ones that God has chosen to use to carry the gospel to everyone everywhere and to advance his kingdom. I love last week's sermon when, when, when we talked about the church is a who, not a what. And this week, as we continue in our series, what I'd like to do is I'd like to shift our focus just a little bit. And I want to talk today about what the gathering place actually is and why it is important. Talked a lot last week about how how the church is the body of Christ. And and we talked about what the church is. But I want to talk about today what the gathering place. Someone say gathering place. What the gathering place. This thing that we're actually a part of right now as we sit here. Every time we gather together, whether it be in a building like this or be in small group, why do our gatherings matter? Why are they significant? Uh, This is an old joke I've heard preachers say before, and I'll I'll use it this morning because it's relevant. Uh, I sure hope that nobody's wearing sandals because today I might step on a few toes. Uh, Like like four people laugh. That's amazing. Uh, But but, but I say that because really what I want to do today is I really want to challenge not the way you think about church. I wanna challenge the way that we think about church. But by the way, anytime one of our pastors, whether it be Pastor Gill or myself or another one of our leaders stands up here, I want you to know that it's always a conversation that is, that is a us conversation, not a you conversation. And and I want to challenge today the the, the way that we think about church and the way that we think about our gatherings, because maybe it's not applicable to all, but I would say that the vast majority of people today in our culture, in our country, who are a part of a church, who who say they're a Christian, they they don't think about the gathering place the way the Bible tells us to think about it. And and I don't say that with any guilt or shame or condemnation. I just think that we're missing the power and the potential that the gathering place holds simply because we don't think about it and approach it the way that the scripture tells us to. If you got a Bible today, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, not a big deal. All the words will be on the screen for us. And uh, I'm reading today out of the New King James Version. If you have that version, awesome. If not, uh, tons of great translations. Uh, but we're reading out of the New King James Version today. And uh, I'm all... I'll read it once and then then we'll read it again just just for emphasis, But, but it says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Go back to verse 24, and read it one more time. And, and, and I want to give you a little bit of context. This book is written to a group of believers who are uh, in, in the midst of suffering severe persecution. Like we feel persecuted when someone leaves a, a, a bad comment on one of our posts on Instagram. We're like, oh my gosh, like, did you see what they said about what, what they were suffering severe persecution where people were losing their lives, People were, 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 were being put in prison. People were losing their entire livelihood. Businesses were, were being shut down. People were being uh, not able to, to make a living anymore, all because they called on the name of Jesus, all because they made a decision to follow him. And, and the book of Hebrews primarily is written to this group of believers saying, don't quit. D- don't give up. I know that right now things don't look good and there is a temptation to go backwards, but I'm telling you, keep moving forwards. With, with that context in mind, I wanna want read this again. And the author of Hebrews, which is, de- is debated, some believe it's Paul, some believe it's another, but the author of Hebrews writes this. He says, so let us consider, let us consider and think about one another for the purpose of stirring up love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but rather exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of the sermon today simply is this, Why Gatherings Matter. You don't have to do this. Um, You don't have to do anything, to to be honest. Uh, But if you'd like to, you could write down why gatherings matter, part one. Because we're gonna talk about today uh, why gatherings matter and how God has called us to approach the gathering place. But then next week, someone say next week. Next week, we're gonna talk about how do we actually do that? And, and so I just kind of wanna let you know the, the pathway we're on. So today, if you have some questions like, yeah, but how do I do that? What, what, what does that mean for me practically? Uh, we're gonna talk about what today, what does the Bible say as we approach the gathering place? And next we're gonna talk about how do we actually do that? So the, uh, why gatherings matter, part one, if you're taking notes. Uh, I, I'm sure you've noticed this uh, by now, but we live in a very self centered culture can I get an amen? amen? Like, I don't know why we're amening that. We shouldn't be applauding or affirming that. It's like, oh, amen. But we, we do. We, we live in a very self-centered culture. Now, I didn't say selfish, although I'm, I'm sure that, that could apply. But, but there's a difference. I remember learning this in high school. Uh, my dad, our senior pastor, Pastor Gill, sitting here in the front row, I remember having a conversation because I am inclined to be, may, maybe you're not, but I'm inclined to be, if I'm not careful, a very self-centered person. And, and I remember, remember kind of, kind of my, my dad talking to me about this and me said, I'm not selfish. I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not saying you're selfish. There's a difference here. See, to be selfish is when you just don't really care about anybody else but yourself. I, I, I think about that, that scene we've all been a part of to some degree, like when you're with friends or family and you're all uh, uh, eating pizza together. And has it ever happened to you that you're one pizza short? Like someone's short of the order and everyone's eating pizza, but everyone's aware at the same time. It's like first one to finish is going to get that last piece. And they're going to be the only person at dinner that actually has a full, full belly. And, and it's that person that goes, oh, I'm aware that everyone's hungry. I'm aware that everyone needs another slice of pizza, but I'm going to eat as fast as possible. And I'm going to get mine because selfishness is when I'm aware of other people's needs I'm aware that there's, there's, there's a world beyond myself. I just don't care about that as much as I care about me. I want to make sure I'm getting what I need. To, to be self-centered is different. And I don't know, know if it's better or worse to be self-centered is to not even be aware of other people's needs. To not even be aware that other people may have a need because your world is revolved around self Speaking of pizza, uh, I, I will not drop names. This person isn't here, nor, nor do they go to our church, but maybe they'll listen to the podcast one day, and so I will not drop names. Um, by the way, this happened to me, totally not the point. Um, I have been, been a youth pastor for a very long time, and I have a certain friend, uh, Travis Carlson, if you're listening, uh, who I used to always talk about in my sermons, like, who's gonna listen to a youth podcast? And 10 years later, he, he, he messaged me on Instagram and goes, hey, Brand, I don't know if you remember me. I've been listening to your youth podcast for the last like five years. You talk about me a ton. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed right now. So I, I, I won't drop names. But we were at a, a, a family type gathering and um, we, we had pizza for the kids and pizza for the adults. Uh, you probably know this, but pizza for the kids is cheese pizza, primarily. And pizza for the adult has lots of toppings. And we were like maybe one pizza short for all the kids. And I knew all the kids wanted more pizza. And there's only like two slices left. And I'm sitting there eating, eating my pizza, having a conversation. And one of the adults who does not have kids, and so I can't fault them that their brain doesn't think this way. uh, One of the adults, they went and they come back to the table with the last two slices of cheese pizza. And they're like, man, I haven't had cheese pizza in forever. And, and I'm looking at them like, bro, you are killing us right now. And sure enough, like five seconds later, two of my kids, can, can we have more pizza? And I said, no, you can't because they're eating it. So take, take it up with. And, and I say that because they weren't being selfish. They were just in this instance being a little self-centered and they were not considering that there's other people that may have a cheese pizza need that it, that, that's not, not you. We, we live in a world that is very self-centered. And, and if we're not careful, even in our, our Christian world, even as believers, we can be so self-centered. And, and, and by the way, it's important that we recognize this because the, the Bible says one of the things we have to guard ourselves against. Romans chapter 12, verse two would say this way, that we're not to be conformed to the pattern, some translations would say, the pattern of this world but rather we should be transformed by the renewing of our, of our mind. The Bible says one of the things that believers, Christians, those who, who call upon Jesus have to be mindful of is that if we're not careful, we will start, start being conformed to the patterns of the world we live in. And can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, we have been called out of the world not to be in the world. That does not mean that we don't go to, you know, secular restaurants and secular movies and we don't watch Disney. We only listen to 91.9. It just means that, no, 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 my, my life, it's been called out of this world and, and, and I'm not being conformed to that. And here's what the Bible says. I wanna read this to you in, in Philippians because it'll set, set the context for what I wanna talk about. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians. Let nothing, someone say nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Pause real quick. This is not in the notes, but, but I think it's relevant. We often read the scripture in our very individualistic American culture for me, myself, and I. But, but let, let me remind you that when we read the scripture, these are letters that were written to churches, these were letters written to groups of people, and they were intended originally to be read in the context of community, interpreted and applied in the context of community. We read them very individualistic, and so we read that and we go, "Oh yeah, that's that, that's a good idea." Because yesterday when I was at Harris Teeter, there was one steak left, and I did did my my basketball moves from high school and I boxed them out. That was not a good play because I need to be, and and yeah, you, you should esteem others better than yourself. But remember, this is written in the context of this right here. It's written in the context of community, of church community. And Paul writes and goes, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. If, if we're not careful, we, we can live lives and have mentalities and perspectives that are far cry from this. And one of the places this becomes evident is it becomes evident in our gathering together, in our gathering together. See, because for so many people, the way we think about and the way we approach the gathering place is I wanna find a church where I can go and I can get filled up, I can get served and I can really connect with God in a way that's you know good for, for, for me. Which by the way, I, I don't, I don't wanna throw any of this stuff out because I actually do think that when we come together, that everybody to a certain degree, everyone, should should leave more full than they came in. Can I get an amen? And I think everyone should leave having felt like their needs were met and they were served to a certain extent. Can I get an amen? And I think all of us, the amens are getting weaker. It's like, dude, stop having us talk so much. This is your job to talk, not our job. It's a group project today. Um, but, but I think also everyone to a certain extent Like we should have felt like we connected with God last time I promised. Someone said amen? Amen. So I'm not saying these things don't matter. But what I'm saying is that they shouldn't be the primary focus in the way we think about coming to church. But all for many people, it's like, well, I wanna find the best church for me, a place where I can come and I just feel like I'm getting full I'm getting filled up because you know, it's been a hard week and life is tough and I, I, need, I need to get filled up and I wanna be served. I wanna make sure that all my family, you know, all of our needs are met. And do you have a ministry for this and a ministry for that? And, and, and yeah, but do you have a special ministry for this super eclectic hobby that I have? And, and I wanna make sure that I can connect with God. Are the songs good? Are the sermons good? And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that except for it's not the way that we are intended to think about church. It's not the way that we were intended to think about the gathering place. I think a better question is, God, where have you called me and my family to plant our feet and plant our life in in a local church? And Hebrews tells us that that, that our thinking is flawed in the Hebrews chapter 10, verse, verse 24. It says this, it says, and let us consider, let us can consider. The, the word consider here is the Greek word uh, kataneo, which is a verb. Now, I, I know we've all been to English before, but I'll just remind you, verb is like action. So like it's, it's an active word. And, and what it means is it means to attentively, purposefully, intentionally think about and consider others Fixing your eyes or your attention upon them. Hebrews says, Let us consider, let us actively, attentively think about one another and fix our attention on one another for the purpose, for the purpose of stirring up, for the purpose of stirring up and provoking one another to be all that God has called us to be and realize all that God has for us. In other words, we should be actively fixing our attention, not on ourselves, but on one another. Thinking about and even creatively considering how we can encourage each other and push one another forward to be all that God has called us to be and fulfill his great plan for our our life. Galatians chapter six, verse two says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I, I think there's a flaw in, in only thinking about the gathering place as the place that I come to be served, to be filled up, and the place that I come to really connect with God in the way that best suits me. No, I think that what the Bible would teach us, we're, we're looking at one scripture, but the totality of scripture, I think what it would teach us is that, no, God's actually called us to be people that when we gather together, that we're thinking about, we're considering we, 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 are, we are creatively coming up with ways. Our attention is focused on how today can I come and how can I be poured out so another may be filled up? How, how can I come today to, to serve another so their needs may be met? What, what part, what percentage do I play, God, in, in being a part of the body so people can come and they connect with you? oh oh no, it's not that we shouldn't care about being served and being filled and connected with God. It's just that the thinking is flawed because again, when everybody comes to serve, everybody's needs are met. When everybody comes to be served, very few actually get their needs met. And by the way, this is really hard to do when, when we're not together. I think this is why Hebrews says in verse 24 and 25, we'll read it again and and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of pick up on verse 25, but it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking, not forsaking, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. The author of Hebrews says one of the ways that that that, that you're gonna do this is simply by making a decision to prioritize the gathering place by making a decision to say, you know what? I actually have a part to play and I'm not thinking about, see, here's what happens. When we only think about church in a context that, well, this is the place that I come to get served and I come to be filled up and I come to connect with God. Here's what we do in our very American individualistic at times self-centered mentality. If I'm good, I don't really need to be there. I'm good, man. I'm having a great week. Life is good. Just got a huge, huge bonus and a huge raise at work. I'm working from home now. Like Life is good. I, Pastor, I just shot the best round of golf in my life. Clearly, God's favor is upon me. Like, like You'll never guess it. I'm on 18 and I shank it into in, in the woods, but it bounces right back into the fairway. Clearly, life is good. God is with me. And because we think about church like that, it's easy to forsake, neglect, not prioritize the gathering place because it's not a big deal if I'm not there because, I mean, I'm, like, I'm good. But if you think about it biblically, and we say, no, I'm, <laughs> that's actually not the point. I'm not coming on Sundays because I need to be filled and served. I'm coming because there's other people in my church community there's other people in my church family and they might not have had the, 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 the best week. They might not be in the best. Can I tell you, there, there are even in the midst of, of our church, but it's just true. We live in such a broken world and we live in such a broken world that we have perfected the art of faking it. And there are so many people who fake it so well. I'm telling you, as a pastor, there are so many times that I've sat down with someone and they've opened up their heart and I've went, oh my gosh, you should be an actor. I would have never guessed in a million years, that's what was happening beneath the surface. And when we think about church the way the Bible says, we go, no, it's not about whether or not I need to be served or filled. I'm a part of this, this family, I'm a part of this body. And there are people there, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, And I'm gathering together because God, I want to be used by you to pour out, so that someone who needs filling today can be filled. God, I'm gathering. I'm gathering. I'm coming to church because God, I want to use what you've given me to serve, so that someone's needs can get met. God, I'm, I'm coming today, and I'm I'm fully engaging because I know that I'm a part of this, and I want for people to be able to realize power and presence of Jesus in the way that, that, that I have. This is a far cry, my friends, from the culture and the world that, that, that we live in. The Bible says this, we won't read all of it, but in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll, we'll, we'll read it. We, we got time, not really, but let's read it. Um, Second Timothy chapter two, it's, Paul writes, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Ah, that's not the right scripture. I totally apologize. That is not, it's a great scripture. It's just not the right one. Let me tell you what I intended. And I clearly, I don't know where it is. Paul writes somewhere in first or second Timothy. He goes, in the last days, perilous times will come. And, and he sums it up by saying what will happen is people will become lovers of self and lovers of pleasure more than they are lovers of God. Did, did you know that this is the, the world we're living in? Like you, you, you may have been aware of this, but currently uh, the national average for people who say that they are deeply devoted to God and devoted to God's house, the national average is people who would say, I'm devoted to God and devoted to God's house. They go to church, I think it's three out of eight Sundays. It's 40%. That's, that's, it's the culture we're living in. Oh, no, I'm deeply devoted to God. I'm deeply devoted and committed to my church, but you only see me 40% of the time. Why? Because only 40% of the time when it's comfortable and convenient do I really feel the need to be filled up and serve and connect with God. Other than that, I'm I'm actually doing pretty good. Now, I'll I'll just say, praise the Lord, that statistically our church is much better, but let me also say it's it's not by much. Because even even in, in our church, in our context, we are affected, are we not, by this cultural mentality that says, it, it's about me, myself, and I. And here, here's, if you don't get anything else, I, get, here's what I, I guess what I want you to get today is that when we think about church, we shouldn't primarily be thinking about ourselves. We, we should be thinking about and considering one another. I'll t- tell you this quick story and then we'll, we'll get to the points and we'll, we'll close here shortly, um, <clears throat> maybe. But it was supposed to be a joke to like lighten the mood and some of you are like, oh man, I don't think he's kidding. I think that we're actually gonna be here forever. Um, but I, I remember going to, to a church conference and um, wasn't, wasn't a part of it at all. Wasn't doing any speaking or any leading. I was just attending. And, and, and I saw a pastor who I very much look up to. Um, you, you've heard us talk about him. His name is Pastor Dale Everest. He's written a bunch of resources that, that we, we use. And um, I, I saw him kind of just hanging out on the back wall. And I go, I'm, I'm going to go talk to Pastor Dale. And I said, hey, Pastor Dale, how you doing? And he was super cordial, really friendly. really, Hey, good to see you. And, and I said, so, so what, what are you doing back here? He said, oh, I'm just praying. I said, really? He's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm praying and I'm, I'm just, I'm asking the Lord. Lord, is there anyone here tonight that, that, that you would have me to serve? Is there anyone here tonight that, that you, you would have me to to encourage? And he said, I'm, I'm not preaching this weekend. He said, I'm not doing any kind of ministry. No one asked me to do anything. He said, but I just know that if I'm here, I'm not here just for me. Everywhere that I go, I'm, I'm sent by God as a vessel of his. And I remember being so impacted because I thought that is literally the farthest thing from my mind. I came here tonight, you know, you know what I'm thinking about? What restaurant are we gonna go to after the session? And what friends have I not seen in a long time that I, that I can go, hey, let's go to dinner and let's connect. And I hope the worship's good. I don't know. I hope they have good speakers. I, but I'm just pumped about the food and the fellowship afterwards. I remember being so impacted by here's this man I've been serving God for, for, for so many years and pastoring and, and seeing his example going, oh no, I'm not doing anything this weekend. But I just know that if I'm here, I'm here to serve. God, is there anyone here tonight, anyone this weekend that you want me to spend time with? Anyone that I need to have, have coffee with? Any, anyone that I need to share a meal with? Is there anyone here this weekend that, that God, you, you'd give me a word of encouragement to, to, to share with them? It's different than the way we think about our gatherings. How do we build each other up when we gather? I give you three thoughts and then we'll, we'll, we'll close here. Number one, if you're taking this, you can write this down. We build each other up in that in the gathering place, we worship together corporately. We worship together corporately. Gathering and worship is more than just singing songs. Gathering and corporate worship is the corporate submitting to God the submitting of our hearts to God to be washed and refreshed and renewed in worship, in the ministry of God's word and in prayer for one another. We we build each other up as we come together and we corporately worship God. Bible says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The Bible says this in 2 Chronicles. Uh, this is uh, when Solomon had finished bu- uh, building the temple. Again, David had in his heart to build God a house. His son Solomon built the house. And as they are finishing the construction and, and they are, for lack of better words, dedicating the temple, it says this. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and singers were as one, someone say one, when the trumpeteers and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I, I don't know how to better articulate it in, uh, than, than how I'm about to try to, but there, there's such power in our corporate worship. Well, Brandon, since we're says there were two or three. So I think y'all have more than two or three people there, so you, you're fine. Oh, okay, okay, Bible scholar. But, but there's power when the whole is together. I don't know how to describe it other than just saying that it's unique. It's special. It's different. When the whole of God's body is gathered together, submitting their hearts to God and lifting their hands and their voices and praising and exalting him, there's a difference. I'm just telling you as a preacher, there's a difference in preaching to a room full of people where where everyone's like, give, give me something, man. It's this, this Super Bowl Sunday, bro. Like we, we got to go, and and preaching to a room full of people where there is this this corporate unity of saying, "Oh, God, speak to us." Hey, no, God, God, we we're not here for a preacher. We're here because God, you have a word for our body today. There's a difference. There's a difference when we gather together corporately. Like you, you'll hear, hear me say this a lot, and it's because. I I theologically, I believe this to to my core. You'll you'll hear me say like, hey, I hope to see you at church because it won't be the same without you. I actually believe that. It's it's not just like a way to like, I actually believe from my core, it's not the same when our whole family's not here. It's not, this, there's, there's a percentage that we feel missing when the family, when the whole is not together. And I love the picture in, in, in 2 Chronicles because here is all the people of God and they're with one voice and one heart lifting praise and worship to God. And the Bible says that God's presence, it filled the house in such a way that everyone was, was left basically just standing in awe. The priest could no longer even minister because the presence of God was so, how, how, how do we build each other up? We come together first of all, and we, with, with all that we have, we worship and we engage in the corporate gathering and, and we invite the presence of God to come in a way where everyone is touched by God. Secondly, if you're taking notes, write this down. Secondly, we we build one another up in that in the gathering place, we minister one to another. I'll read it again, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. You'll have this memorized by the time we're done today. It says, let us consider, let us consider one another in order to stir up, to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. That word exhorting in, in the Greek is a word which, which always refers to one personally coming, coming alongside another in order to encourage them, to strengthen them and to build them up in a way that challenges them to move forward. The, the word exhorting, it always paints a picture of someone who comes to, to the side of another who encourages, and who builds up, prays for, who strengthens in a way that pushes them to move forward. The the word minister, which we see used in the Bible talking about both ministering to God and to one another in, in various contexts and various ways. But when we compare the different uses in the Bible, both old and new, you'll see that it means to render service as a servant to another, even at one's own expense. For example, to serve God in fasting prayer and sacrificial living and to serve one another in prayer, encouragement, generosity. How how, how do we build one another? Well, we come and we come again for the purpose of not being filled and being served, but we come for the purpose of ministering one to another there's a bunch of scriptures. If you're note takers, I'll give you these scriptures. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, don't put them on the screen. Matthew 10, eight says, freely you've received, freely uh, or freely received, so so, so freely give. Uh, you can write down Matthew 25, 37 through 40, which talks about how well, when we minister to one another, it's actually ministering to, to the Lord, that the Lord takes it personal and he is ministered to when we minister to one another. And 1 Peter chapter four, verse 10 through 11 talks about using the gift that God has given us, that when we come together, using what God has given us to serve the whole. I, I, I dream of a day that our church gatherings, that so much of the ministry doesn't happen in a service that happens outside of a service, that, that in the parking lot ministry is happening, that in the four year ministry is happening, that in the conversations before and after ministry is happening. That ministry's happening at the lunch table as we're sharing meals together and we're encouraging, encouraging one another. That ministry's happening, happening 30 minutes to an hour after we're, we're we're picking up the phone and we're calling or we're texting or we're emailing someone to say, I was praying for you as we left. And I, I dream of the day where people li- leave and go, oh man, God was there. I, I was so served and filled. I'll never be the same. And someone goes, wow, great sermon. I, I don't really remember, to be honest. But there was a conversation that I had with this person we'd actually never met before, but they, they came up and we were just sharing a cup of coffee and, and they started talking to me and I was just sharing just kind of what's going on. And before I know it, they were encouraging me before I know it. They were laying their hand on my shoulder and they were praying for me and they were reminding me of who God said that I am, of what God has promised. I dream of the day where we minister to one another. When we realize that church is not about being served. It's about coming to say, God, use me today to minister to my brothers and my sisters. It's, it's how the gathering place was intended to be. Can I ask you today, just in a very, like no condemnation way, when's the last time that, that you were, were driving to church and your primary thought was, Lord, help me today to have eyes that are open to see the opportunities to just encourage someone, to just help someone know that they're seen, they're noticed, they're loved, they're valuable. When's the last time you encouraged someone at church beyond just the surface, beyond just saying, hey, I I love the shoes you're wearing. When's the last time you just stopped and said, hey, I don't wanna be that like weird person, but can I just tell you how much I love you? Can I tell you how valuable you are to me, to my family? When's the last time that in the parking lot or, or, or in the foyer, you, you laid hands on someone and just prayed for them? Not because it was like an overly spiritual moment where God was there, but just because they were sharing, sharing a need. Yeah, I mean, we're, I, I feel so much pressure right now. We, we have this big debt. that I, I don't know how we're gonna pay. And when's the last time you just stopped and said, you know what, can I just pray for you? When's the last time that, that, that you said God, I'm I'm open to opening up my wallet actually and just being generous and helping someone. I'll tell you that in my 34 years of living, being a pastor's kid and being a pastor for for some of those, the, the most transformative moments that have changed my life have not been because of songs or sermons. They have been because of conversations and ministry that has happened in places like parking lots after service, before service, as someone who just showed up going, I-, I wanna be used by God today. We encourage, we serve, we pray for, we, we ask God to give us words, we minister one to another. And lastly, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Lastly, in the gathering place, we come into agreement. We come into agreement. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 through 19, Jesus says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 through 20. Again, Jesus is speaking. He says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Did you know there's power in agreement? There's lots of different ways that on a Sunday morning or in a small group, we come into agreement. But one of the primary ways is it's through prayer. There's a scripture in the book of James and it says, is anyone among you sick? Does anyone among you have a need? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them lay hands on them and, and pray for them. And the prayer of faith will, it'll save, it'll heal, heal the sick. One of the primary ways that we come into agreement is we come into, to, to, to agreement through prayer. You, 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 you probably haven't noticed this. Um, it, it's not really something that we put like up front and we don't really talk about it a ton, um, but every single week right up front, we have a prayer and altar team. Um, no one got the joke, that's awesome. I'm like, oh for five. This is so fun. But 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 like every week we, we have a prayer and altar ministry. Part of the reason we do that is because the power of agreement, the power of saying, like, hey, this is where I am, and this is what I'm going through. And I I I think I know what the Bible says. I think I know what God's promised, but but you know what I need. I need someone to come alongside me. I need someone to hold my hand. I need someone to put a hand on my shoulder. I need someone to be able to look at me face to face and to come into agreement and remind me, this is what God says. This is what God's promised. This is who our God is. Come on, you you don't put your head down, you pick your head back up. God is faithful and God will do what he said he would do. Part of how we build one another up is we come into agreement. And we look for every opportunity, whether it be at an altar or, again, over a cup of coffee or out to lunch. Say, we look for every opportunity to agree with one another. Hey, no, 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 no. Let's, let's not let our mind go there. Let's, not, let's let, let our thinking go there. No, no, let, let's not drop our head. Let's remember this is what God has said. I don't know if you've ever felt like this before, but I was talking to a friend recently and I was just sharing some of the things that that I'm I'm, I'm feeling on the inside. And I said, just so you know, like what I don't need is I don't need you to tell me all the right answers. Like I'm a pastor, I know the right answers. And he goes, no, that's exactly what you need actually. It's exactly what you need. Exactly what you need is someone to come alongside you and to remind you of what you already know to stir up in you what you already know to be true, but you're having a hard time holding your own arms up. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. I know God is good and I know God is faithful and I know God will do it. I just don't have the strength right now to lift my arms up. That's why we need, that's why we need each other. It's why we don't gather going, I'm just coming today so I can get served, get filled and connect with God, no, I, I hope not. I'm coming today to say, God, if anyone's arms are heavy, use me to lift them up. God, today, if anyone's head is hanging low, use me to take God, to pick it up. God, give me eyes to see today that I may be poured out to, to help someone else be full. Would, would I serve today to meet a need and would I, would I play a part in people experiencing the power and the presence of God? I had someone, someone say, they said, what are you preaching? on? I was sharing, and they said, oh, so it's like a big volunteer pitch. I said, actually, no, not at all. Be, because what we're talking about has nothing to do with, with volunteering. Because how many of you know you can volunteer and you can presently be engaged in doing a task and your heart be far from it? You, you, you can be serving in the kids' ministry and not even be thinking about how to serve and bless and minister to, to the kids. You can be serving on guest experience and have never even considered that God might want to use your greeting to pull someone's head up. You you, you know, it's, it's easy to do a job and our heart to be far from it. We're talking about matters of the heart today. I, 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 I close with this. I want you to, to, to see this. This is why the gathering place finds itself right in the middle of the order we've been talking about. This whole idea of the theology of that there's different places in the Bible that God has called everyone to be devoted to. The reason the gathering place falls right in the middle is because we actually don't have the ability to give what we have not received. We, we don't have the ability to pour out what has not first been poured in, which is why the first place we are devoted to is the secret place. God, I want to meet daily and deeply with you because in the secret places where King Jesus, where he fills my cup, the secret places where King Jesus, where he encourages me, where he shows me things in the scripture, where he fills my tool belt so I'm ready to go so that when I come into the gathering place, I'm able to be poured out. The gathering place falls right in the middle because do you know what our world needs? Our world doesn't need just a bunch of people, just tell them they need Jesus. Our our world needs, say the quote again, we've been saying it for, you know, six weeks now. Our world needs a revived people with a testimony of what God's done for them. Our world needs a revived people with a witness that is relevant. Why is it relevant? Because it's my story. Because I was low and now I'm here. Because I was broken and now I'm whole. Because I was lonely and now I'm in a, our world needs a revived people with a story that is relevant because it is their testimony. And I'm telling you so much of that happens. It happens in the secret place and it happens in the gathering place as we gather together to serve one another. But can, can, I, can I say this last thing? The, the reason the gathering place is so so significant I know lots of people that are like, wow, we, we spent too much time together as Christians. We're not, get, we're not getting out there and evangelizing. And I, I understand like, what they're saying to a certain extent. But what I think they fail to recognize is that what our world needs is as they, as they become illuminated with the gospel and the good news of Jesus, you know what they need? They need a home. They need a family And I know so many people that love Jesus, but they have a hard time with church because what they've not experienced is a home or a family. What they've experienced is is rows of people singing songs and sermons who are only thinking about self. They've been in the midst of community and never felt more lonely. Because again, we live in this culture Church is about how I can get filled, how I can be served, and how I can connect with God. And if I have to talk with someone during the meet and greet, fine, only one person, that's my limit. And we fail to recognize that, no, we, we've, we've missed the power. Like, this is so random, but, but I'm always fascinated by like group workout facilities. CrossFit or Orange Theory or ISI. And, and I'm always fascinated by these, group, by, by these group workout programs, facilities, because, because what you'll find when, when you get into them, I feel like I've done all of them for like 60 seconds. And that's why I'm still not fit. And yet I've experienced all of them. Um, but what, what you find is these people who they're like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm all in. And what you find is they're not all in because they love the workout. They're all in because they found a family. They found a community. They found a group of people where they can call home in a world where they feel lost and lonely. That should be the church. That should be the church. Our world needs for gatherings to start mattering to us. Our world needs for gatherings to start becoming the priority of our life because we're building a home, we're building a family so that yes, we can go out, but that we can bring people into a family and a home where they can be filled and served and they can discover the full potential that God has for them. I, I dream of the day. I dream of the day that this is true of our church in fullness. I dream of the day that our church is so passionate about gathering, not because they love songs or sermons, but because we love one another. That we are, I, I, you, you don't need to clap, that, that I wouldn't miss a Sunday, not because I necessarily care, but because I just know that there's people every single week that God seems to, to use me to minister to. I, I, I can't not be there. There's people that need me. I can't not be there. There's opportunity that I'm going to miss. I can't not be there. It's not the same without me. Gatherings, gatherings, they matter more than we've given them credit. Would you close your eyes? Lord, I thank you today that as we've just taken a little bit of time to open, open up the scripture. I thank you, God, that you're speaking to us. And God, in my very, very frail attempt to communicate the things that that you've put in our heart and you've stirred us as pastors and leaders, Lord, I pray that your word would continue to go forth, would find good fertile ground in the hearts of everyone who is here. And I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person who calls our church their home, And I pray in Jesus' name that God, you would do something supernatural in us, that you'd help us to see that gatherings are more than songs and sermons, more than teaching opportunities, but they're family gatherings where we come to serve and love and minister and encourage one another. Lord, I pray you would change something in our church that Sunday morning, small groups, every time we get together, that it wouldn't be the same as it's been because we're not the same, because we're changing. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us a heart for your house, that we'd be people of the secret place and people of the gathering place that we come to serve and to pour out. And I pray that as we do, God, this would be a house where every single week every single person who comes, they would leave full to the overflow. They would leave having their needs met, having been served. And it's not because of a service, it's because of your people who have come to serve. In Jesus name, all God's people said. Hey, can we close our time together this morning? Would you stand up on your feet? And as you do, we're we're, we're gonna sing today just one chorus and end our time allowing God's word to sink in and seal in our heart. And so let's lift our hands and our hearts and just sing this chorus together, and then Brittany will dismiss us here in a second. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe, and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.